What makes you so mad that your blood boils? What are you so passionate about that if you see an obvious error or deception, you just can't hold your tongue any longer? Who do you associate or affiliate yourself with whose words, opinions, or instructions hold weight with you? Maybe it's a friend or family member, somebody from the company you work for, a political party, a religious denomination, a charity, maybe a college or university. What we sign on to and stand for matters, right? Truth matters. And this is even more apparent when it comes to our children. We want to see what's best for them. We teach them values and principles that guide them through their lives. And it's one thing if I'm confronted with an obvious opinion or deception, and I have to discern through the truth of it. But to take one of my kids aside and try to discredit me or my wife and then pass off an obvious deception or opinion or straight lie as truth, don't be surprised if I don't come at you like Godzilla coming through Tokyo because I love my kids and I don't want something that sounds good in the moment turn out to be what will hurt them in the end. Because truth matters and we protect the ones we love. And I think this is where the Apostle Paul is coming from in his letter to the Galatians. See, a group of people who claimed to be Christ followers from the Jewish community had come into the area where Paul and Barnabas had been preaching the gospel and planting churches, and they started to undermine and discredit Paul. They were spreading this teaching that if you're going to be following a Jewish Messiah, you should probably be following Jewish law, tradition, and procedures like circumcision in order to be saved. And Paul is going to refute this notion that in order to be a follower of Christ, that you have to follow Jewish law and be circumcised. That somehow you have to be more Jewish or more religious. Today, we are concluding our five-part teaching series in the letter to the Galatians. And as we've been learning up to this point, our freedom in Jesus is so precious. In fact, we've been learning the truth that in Christ, we've been set free to live free. Weeks one and two of this series, Pastor Ben walked us through the opening of the letter where Paul strongly opposes the idea of any other gospel. Week two, we see Paul defending himself in his apostleship that he received direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And week three, we saw as Jeff Geiger walked us through Paul's masterful argument of the good news gospel of grace, available through Jesus Christ alone. And last week, Ben reminded us how foolish it would be for any of us to try to live by the flesh or works, that we're empowered to live a new way, transformed by Jesus to love and serve one another, and to produce healthy fruit in our lives of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. And just like in Paul's letter, Ben and Jeff pretty much covered everything really well. But interestingly enough, Paul doesn't wrap up the letter with the normal pleasantries and goodbyes. 
He takes one more shot. He makes one more appeal to the truth. That we are to boast in Jesus Christ alone. That if we believe in Jesus, the Son of God, we become a new creation. And we're transformed to live in a new way. And that our justification is by nothing else than through faith in Jesus Christ. And today, I'm going to attempt to make the same appeal to you. Hi, my name's David Bessenbacher. I'm a member of the Connections team here at Dallas Church. So glad you've joined us on one of our online platforms. Let's pause and take a moment to pray as we get into today's message. Lord, we are so thankful and grateful for your grace and your mercy. I pray for your church that we as a people don't dilute the message and work of Jesus on the cross with our own opinions, preferences, or attempts at self-righteousness. I pray that we're not a stumbling block to the people who so desperately need you. I pray that this message today and this series as a whole will make it absolutely clear that our hope and salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. And that it will produce a faith and trust in us so strong that it compels us to surrender our will and make Jesus Lord of our life. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Up to this point, Paul has made absolutely clear that there is no other gospel. He's made absolutely clear that he's an apostle accepted by the apostles and that he received direct revelation from Jesus. He's made it absolutely clear that we're to be justified by no other means than Jesus alone, that we're no longer under slavery of the flesh or the law, that we're to walk in a new way in the spirit, and that we are believers that are justified by faith in in Jesus alone. Today, we're going to continue that by looking at Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 11. Paul says this, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. I don't think Paul is so much trying to prove that this letter is from him as much as he's saying, hey, pay attention. This is really important. Today, he may have made it look something like this. Look how I am writing to you in all caps, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. 
And it almost kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that we think that we have some part to play in gaining favor or credibility with God, because that's how it seems to work in other parts of our lives. When we join something, when we start a new job or project, we show up and we ask the question, so what do I do? Or how do I advance here? Maybe we seek to gain rewards or recognition. Over time, maybe we look to create mastery or influence in our field. And Paul, just as Jeff pointed out a couple weeks ago, was a master in theology. He had mastery knowledge in Jewish law and tradition. If anyone could have made the argument for a Jesus plus gospel, it was Paul. But he snuffs it out quickly. He boldly proclaims that we're all equal at the foot of the cross. That you've showed up, but the work has already been done on your behalf. In his letter to the church at Corinth, he wrote this, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. Paul asserts that the whole reason that these false teachers were trying to get them to obey Jewish law and be circumcised was so that they could gain some kind of credibility with the Jewish community and leadership there, that somehow by gaining converts and not believing that Jesus had finished that work, that they would avoid persecution. Proverbs 14.12 says, For there is a way, or sorry, tell us, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Paul wants them to know that these list of laws that these teachers are trying to get them to follow will ultimately end in their enslavement and their demise. That if they try to follow these rules, it's only to make them look good and that they can't and don't live up to the same standards. Paul knew that in this particular case for the Galatians and the early Christians, that if they bought into this idea of circumcision and works of the law, that they wouldn't, those false teachers would not have just succeeded at undermining Paul and discrediting him, but the very gospel he brought to them, that faith is through Jesus Christ alone. Paul wants to stop this dead in his tracks. Because he says, if you go down that path, you're either proclaiming that Christ's sacrifice was unnecessary or that somehow it was insufficient. And whether you think you have to go 75% of the way there, 95% of the way there, or 100% of the way there, the result is the same. You've contaminated the message. I remember being in the grocery store back when uh, buying organic really started to trend. And I remember seeing a product that was marked organic, but when I picked it up and read the label, it said, made with 95% organic ingredients. I think about my friends that have a food allergy, maybe like a gluten intolerance. If you saw a package that was marked gluten-free, but the label said made with 95% gluten-free ingredients, you'd put it back on the shelf. You'd reject it for the sake of your health. Don't accept a gospel that's 95% Jesus. Paul says, no way. I boast in Christ alone. 
I want 100% Jesus. Anyone or anything else that claims to have additional truth that either adds or subtracts from the completed works of Jesus on the cross is to be accursed. They've bewitched you. They've tricked you into foolish thinking that there's some system or formula that can save you, but there's not. True adherence, true reflection of the law will only magnify how desperately in need of a Savior that you are. Anything but the grace of God will only cause us to take pride in what we have done. Near the the beginning of the letter, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In today's part of the passage, Paul wrote this, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. Pastor Ben reminds us often that when Scripture repeats itself, it's probably a good idea to take a moment and pause and reflect. And this idea of a new creation being transformed, I think that it's captured beautifully in baptism. The desires of this world, the false protections and promises, our sins and our desires of the flesh are dead and buried with Christ. And then we're risen up to new life to walk with Christ in the Spirit and show other people the love of God. Maybe you're thinking, well, Paul's been hitting this really heavily throughout this letter. Maybe these teachers have some valid points that they're bringing up. I mean, we don't want to do something that God's requiring of us and ignore that, do we? Is there anywhere else or anyone else we can point to that validates Paul's point? In uh, John chapter 3, we see one of the Jewish religious leaders, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, go out into the night to ask Jesus some questions. And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. This confuses Nicodemus, and he asks a few more questions, and then Jesus says, you must be born of the Spirit, or you won't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, well, So how does this work? Jesus says, you're a respected teacher and leader of Israel, and you don't know these things? Here's how, Nicodemus. See, God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. In fact, if you believe in the Son of God, you won't have judgment, you won't have condemnation, But if you don't believe in him, you're condemned already. Here's what Jesus didn't say. Look, Nick, you've been doing really well. You've worked your way up in influence. You've kept the laws and traditions better than most. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep working hard. God will take notice. 
you'll gain some favor and credibility with him eventually. No. Here's what Jesus says in John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Not by works of the flesh, not by a certain mark on your flesh, not by what holiday you observe or don't observe, not by what food you eat or clothes you wear, not by the groups you hang out with. Jesus says it's 100% believing in the Son of God. And Paul agrees it's 100% Jesus. Okay, so does this mean as Christians we just do nothing and we can live however we want? Paul tells us that by walking in tune with the Spirit, by being born again, having that transformed life, of course we'll do good works. Of course we'll love our neighbor. Of course we'll serve and we'll give and we'll bear in each other's burdens. Of course we'll push off the desires of this world and the flesh. But not because we think we're building up some kind of scorecard or credibility with God that we're going to cash in on later. But because God loved us so much that that love is flowing in us into the lives of others. In contrast to the false teacher's mark of circumcision, Paul said, I bear on my body's body the marks of Jesus. Maybe he was talking about his persecution and his bodily scars. You know, he was beaten, whipped, stoned, thrown in prison, left for dead. Or maybe it was evidence of God working in his life and growing the fruit of the Spirit. Could it be there was a certain joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness about Paul that flowed into the lives of others? Did Paul have a certain faithfulness about him that could have been evidence of his marks of Jesus? I think so, because I can see that same fruit in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ. So what about for you? What marks do you bear? What, what do you boast in? Is it your achievements, your successes? Is it the family you grew up in or maybe the associations you keep? Is your identity marked by the college you went to, your career? maybe a political party or religious denomination you're a part of. These things aren't necessarily bad in themselves, but are they maybe subconsciously or consciously causing us to buy into or impose our own Jesus plus gospel or Jesus less gospel? Is there clear evidence in my life, in your life, that we belong to Jesus or is there something else imposing in on the glory that only he deserves? The only thing that matters in life is faith in Jesus Christ. All other things will pass away. All other pursuits will lead us astray from the abundant, full life that Jesus has for us. What if instead of making it all about us and what we've done, we put that all aside and we made it, make it all about Jesus and what he's done for us? What if we bear the marks of Jesus 
and make it about 100% Jesus alone? What if we all fully embraced the new creation life in Jesus? In Christ, there is new creation. We're made new. We're no longer under tyranny of the law or enslaved to the flesh. God says that we are to be a new creation, a new human, and he makes this available through his son, Jesus Christ. We're born again into the family of God, walked, walking by the Spirit with other believers in the presence, peace, and mercy of God Almighty. Bear the marks of Jesus and boast only 100% in Jesus Christ alone, your Lord and Savior. If you've never done it, I invite you to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. There's no special prayer, no place you have to go or person you need to go to. God can meet you right where you're at. Romans 10.9 says, For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, welcome to the new creation life in the family of God. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that the Apostle Paul took a stand early in his ministry that settled for the early Christians and for us that there is absolutely no other way to be justified than through faith in Jesus Christ alone. May we bear the marks of Jesus, and may there be evidence in our life that we are image bearers of you. Lord, thank you for the new creation life. Help us to walk in the Spirit. Help us to make it not about us, but to boast only 100% in Jesus alone. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.